Chapter 30 Saddest Liberation I was surprised. My best friend actually paid attention. The journal and pen Sammy acquired for me were both my go-tos, the same I'd used since we were small. A blue V5 and 7x10 CR Gibson. As my friends slept, I stayed awake and wrote. A solid moon dissolves to sandstone, grain by grain, by grain ungrown. A single piece is all that keeps, left to light the sky alone. The rest is washed away. No promise we can make will stay. The black reclaims our lives and names. The ending never leaves. Futures fail and fall apart, like aging thoughts and changing hearts. Pulses flow and blood flow stops. The rest is easy, love. When I pretend I'm dead, I drift. No existence left but this. A feeling of a wished-for feeling I forgot was ever lived. No colors, no poetic phrase. Not abstract and none too plain. The beauty can't recall its name. And I won't give it one. It's a strange thing. When making art expressive of a particular emotion, say, writing a sad poem, at the same time that I'm focusing on the feeling, using it, plucking words right out of it, I no longer feel it. For that brief window, it becomes exercised. Something that was just a moment ago inside me, powerful and predominant, is now on the outside. Like an organ on a dissection table waiting to be scrapbooked. I take it apart and try to make it pretty. But then, always, it comes back home. Expression isn't eviction. It's only an escape. And a very brief one. I closed my journal and waited for the feeling to reboot. And of course it did. The sadness, the wanting to be dead and done, the missing Miri, it all came in again. But this time there was something new. A small blank. A gap within the feeling opening to an annex emotion. A longing curiosity that traced back to the city. I wondered about my home. About the people who were still there and the things that I'd left. I missed them. I missed my life. Sammy had been right. I was okay with my tiny world, with the predictable days and routine weeks that Miri had outgrown. And for a brief moment, I found myself resenting her, becoming angry at Miri for ever needing more than me. But then the feeling turned, and I was ashamed of myself again, for not being brave enough to leave, for being small and satisfied with what I had, for not being enough for her. I pictured myself as a widower. I imagined a reality in which Miri was buried and mourned for, and I lived alone. Would I smell her clothes, I wondered? Would I ever empty any of her drawers? Or would years go by and take the acuity of her with them? Is that what happens? Would I have eventually moved on, kissed someone else, 
had children. I could almost hear Mary whispering in my ear, telling me I would have been okay, that I'm strong and would have done just fine. I didn't believe her, though. I knew better. I wanted this fate, the one I was in, carrying her, carrying these memories. I would have chosen it. I had because I knew I couldn't take the other. Whether or not Miri needed more than me and what our life was, I never needed more than her. I needed exactly her, nothing else. Without Miri, the equation empties out. It's bottomless on one side, and I fall through. All that's left for me is to finish this, to be done, and that's okay. Whatever end we're headed toward, it can't be too much farther now. A small sense of peace distilled from my sadness. I lay back and allowed myself to feel it. Beyond the mist, high above the mountains, the dulled sun was disappeared. A full and frosted moon now hung in its place. Dark clouds capturing and giving it back, rain augmenting each vanish. I thought of Goddess Are. I told her I was sorry for never believing in her and confessed I still didn't. I told her I wasn't angry anymore. And I wasn't. The blame I used to impose upon Are for Miri's sadness, it wasn't there to be found. I smiled to the freedom of simply not caring. Nothing mattered. It's the absolute saddest liberation. Nothing mattered at all. I closed my eyes and slept. <laughs>